Our verse today comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. One verse. So let's read that. The word of God reads, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for men to be alone. <laughs> it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for creating us to be relational beings. We thank you, God, that... Um, you want people to get married and to honor you and to make you greater through marriage. Why, Father, we pray that as we talk about this verse and, and your intentions and design behind marriage, that you would give all of us a heart, a desire to not only be the spouse that you created and saved us to be, but, Father, to partner with somebody, to be prepared to be that partner or to be that partner right now so that we can make you greater through our marriage. Um, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Um, you know, I discovered in the past, like, two years that I've been here that, you know, I, think, I don't think a lot of people at Full Life Ministry have been very educated about biblical marriage or biblical dating or God's design behind relationships. I think the best that yeah, I've, I've heard, whenever I ask people, I think the only thing they ever tell me is like, oh, yeah, we heard you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. And then that's about where it ends, you know, your Christian education behind relationships. And so today, what I thought I'd do is I kind of wanted to share maybe more God's design behind marriage. And I'll be very honest with you too. Like uh, I was technically in charge of the married couples ministry last year, but what did we do as a married couples ministry in 2021? And the answer is nothing. I did absolutely nothing. I feel very guilty. I apologize to all the married couples out there. I know you were excited when you heard that I was going to take over this ministry. You thought that you were going to learn something biblical. Your marriages were going to get stronger, but I did jack. So I apologize. So this message is for you. Okay. But even though I preach this message, which is the, the design of biblical marriage, I believe it really speaks very strongly to single people because as you understand God's design and why he created marriage, it'll give you insight as to what type of person you need to become in order to become the spouse that God always called you to be. And I really believe that God wants you to be an amazing, amazing biblical godly spouse. Okay. And so that's what I hope will happen. And for those who you, of you who might be dating, you know, I hope after today's message, you know, it gives you direction uh, to really uh, see and maybe question whether your current dating relationship is a relationship going in the right direction or not. And maybe, uh, hopefully it'll give you a lot of courage to ask the right questions. And then maybe a lot of courage to make some really tough decisions, whether it's to stay together or maybe even to break up. And so, um, and the whole heart behind this is that I'm not trying to share any of this stuff so that you can have these like hardcore black and white rules, you know, to align yourself to. But the reason why I share all this is because I just want everyone in the church to have an amazing, godly, biblical marriage. And, you know, uh, I want all of your marriages to flourish. I don't want you guys to wake up one day five years into marriage, seven years into marriage, 13 years into marriage and be like, oh, what the, why the hell did I marry this person? You know, what are we, what is this all about? You know, just like every, maybe a lot of other people, there's a reason why 50% of marriages end in divorce in the world today, in the Western world, you know what I'm saying? But I believe that when we follow God's design, when we follow exactly what God had in mind, 
when we talk about biblical marriage, not only will it bring God into your marriage powerfully, but it allows you to be used by God powerfully to do his will and his work, which is absolutely awesome, which is the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. And that's the reason why we were created and saved to give him glory. Okay. Is that cool? You know, what I discovered, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of my uh, friends who are pastors and, you know, as we talk about married couples within our churches, we really, what we discovered over the years is that um, the reason why a lot of Christian marriages don't operate, when I say Christian marriages, marriages with two people who are Christian, a lot of Christian marriages don't operate according to the biblical design. They don't operate according to why God designed marriage. And I think because of that, they never get to truly know God or be used by God. You know, I've never done a scientific study. You know, we've never done a scientific study. But basically, when we hear people's stories of marriage, uh, it's no different than marriages of the world. Even the whole, like, finding your mate process, right? You know, we do the exact same. The whole, the reasons why... Christians get married is the is for the exact same reasons why the world uh, decides to get married. And you know, like and, and tell me if I'm wrong, you know, a lot of times Christians, they'll look for someone that they're attracted to. You know, whether it's at church or whether it's at some Christian meeting or whether it's on an app these days, you know, app and online is very common. You know, and and you know, and then that's what they do. And then the moment they find someone that they're attracted to, uh, they start checking them out a little bit more. They go on their social, they, they stalk them on social media. They start liking all the posts, right? They start following them around a little bit. You know, their eye is always following them. You know, around the room, they start talking to that person's friends who they never talked to before. You know, their eyes prick up when someone's name sounds like the name of the person. You know, this kind of stuff. And that's what we do. You know, am I wrong? Isn't that what we do? And then all of a sudden we start to, what do we do as Christians? We start to pray. We start to ask God, God, give me the courage to ask that person out because I'm like totally strongly attracted to that person. Or God, please give that person the conviction to ask me out. And that's what we call praying about it. Isn't that what we do? Right? Am I wrong? But you know, except for that last part, it's really kind of no different. The criteria that we look at to find a partner is like no different than the people out in the world. And is that bad? So is, is that bad? And, 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 you know, I don't know if I want to answer that, but is that normal? Of course that's normal. That's what human beings do. But what drives all that? What drives that desire? What drive, what's the philosophy or the, you know, the, the driving forces of why you choose a mate or why you choose a partner or a spouse for the future? And, you know, I think, it's, I think these are the answers. Uh, the reason why I decided on this particular person is because uh, attraction, desire, lust, companionship, connection, and security. Am I right? It's usually one of, one of those reasons or a combination of those reasons why we choose to want to be with this person. Attraction, desire, lust, companionship, connection, security. But is that what God wanted for us? Are these the reasons why God designed you for marriage, right? Did God design marriage and family to be built upon principles of attraction, desire, lust, companionship, connection, security. Is that enough to make your marriage last till death do us part? You know, Christian, Christian wives always argue, I'm with this guy because he's such a godly man. That's awesome, right? And Christian men are like, oh, I'm with this woman because she's such a, a godly woman. And I think that's actually amazing too. And that's good. I hope we all marry godly people. But here's the question. Is that the end goal? To marry a godly person? Um, is that God's goal in marriage? 
And this is how I'm going to answer it. I'm going to say maybe, but not really. Okay? <laughs> um, I hope we all marry godly people. But just because people call themselves Christians at church doesn't mean they're actually living for Christ. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that real? So just because you meet someone at church or they call themselves Christian doesn't actually mean they're godly. I want everyone to marry godly people. But the reason why I say that's not the goal is because the longer you live and the longer you, you know, your feet walk this earth, you realize that just because two people are godly and they get married, that's not enough for them to actually live out a godly marriage. You know, Just look at your friends, just look at your parents who might be great Christians or look at your friend's parents who might be great Christians. You know, They were great Christians, but oh my goodness, how, many, how close have they come to divorce, right? How close, look at the health and the status of their relationships. It's so difficult. Life, marriage is absolutely difficult. You know, and so if a person is a Christian and this person is a Christian and then we bring them together, is that enough? And I'm going to answer no. Okay. Or it may not be because marriage is, not, is really tough. Because uh, so marrying a believer is just the beginning. Okay. Yes, you should only marry Christians if that's the kind of marriage you want. But that's the only the beginning. Marry godly. And then marrying a godly believer is a total blessing but it doesn't guarantee that your marriage is gonna live out what God designed for it to be. There's one thing I really discovered as a pastor these past 15, and, uh, maybe these past 15, 20 years of ministry, and this is what's direly missing in a lot of Christian teaching, especially within the church, especially when it comes to marriage. And that's why I wanna share it with you today. I have, I've even discovered in the past 15, 20 years that this particular teaching is absent, not only from a lot of premarital counseling courses, postmarital counseling courses, but even a lot of marriage books that you're gonna find in Kurong, right? So if you, if, you, if you wanna find out what marriage, I mean, seriously, there's so many books that don't talk about this, which I think is the essence and design behind biblical marriage. And so, um, but you know, it's just one thing. It's absolutely one thing. And that one thing is found in books like um, oh, The Meaning of Marriage, Tim and Kathy Keller. You should read that book if you want to. That's one book. I, I, I totally recommend another book too. Uh, me and You, is it Me and You Forever? Oh, I wrote it at the end of my message. It's uh, You and Me Forever by Francis and Lisa Chan. You guys should read those books if you want to. And, and those two books talk about this one thing that I'm talking about today, which I believe is the key to being able to live out an awesomely godly biblical marriage. And you know what that one thing is? It's a unified mission, right? A lot of Christian marriages, they're Christians who are married, but they don't have an articulated unified mission that drives everything that they do as a couple to give God glory. And they don't do that. And that's why I think a lot of times Christian couples totally miss the mark in their marriages and end up living out marriages that are exactly like marriages that look like the world, okay? The main reason why God brought woman for man is so that they as one team can do God's work together. That's it, right? The reason why God created Eve for Adam was so that they as a couple can do God's work and, make, and give him increased glory together. And if we understand that that's the design, then every married couple that exists today have to be able to answer that question. Why did God bring us together? You know, how do we glorify God 
greater by our union than we would a single people. And we should all be able to articulate something very clear. And I'm going to share with you how you can do that, right? So every marriage, uh, and this is the design, is completely, should be completely dedicated to fulfilling the mission of God with their marriage. Let's look at verse, you know, Genesis 2, 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, what's the context here? It's very simple. God just created Adam and he told Adam, hey, your goal or your work is to what? Tend the garden, right? To take care of the plants in the garden, to name the animals in the garden. That was the work that God called Adam to do. And since this was a sinless world, we know that Adam was perfectly satisfied in God. He need, he had everything because he had God. And every single day he woke up and he was so joyful. He was so happy because he got to do God's work. He got to talk to God as he did it. He got to give glory to God as he did it. It was absolutely wonderful. Did Adam know that he needed a partner? Probably not. I'm just going to say probably not. Right? I don't know if he even thought about it. Did he even think about it? Did that, did that even come to mind? Maybe. Maybe he saw like, you know, male and female animals and it's like, oh, that'd be cool if I had one of those. You know, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm just, maybe he did. But regardless, was he perfectly satisfied not having a partner? And the answer is yes, because he had God. Right? He communed daily with God. And that's a side note to all of us. If you're married or sing, uh, single, you know, if your goal every single day is to be perfectly satisfied in Christ alone, then your best self will always become available to your current partner, your wife or your husband, or your future partner. And that's what we all want, don't we? So by seeking Christ every single day and be learning to be satisfied in Christ every single day, we our best self becomes available. So seek to be satisfied in Christ alone. Let's continue though, verse 18. It's really interesting. It says, God looked, take, took one look at Adam and he said what? He said, it's not good for him to be alone. So the question is, why wasn't it good? Why was it bad? for Adam to be alone. And Genesis actually gives us a few answers, but the first one is found in the next sentence. God says, I will make a helper suitable for him, right? And you wanna know something? I, I just find that choice of vocabulary words absolutely interesting. He could have said, oh, he needs a mate. He needs a wife. You know, he needs like a, a reproductive partner. Some people think that, you know, God created women just to reproduce, which is totally whack. You know, so, oh, he, he, we could have, he could have said, he could have used the word soulmate, you know, that, mm, you know, I mean, he could have used any word, but he said, he says, I want to make a helper. That's such an interesting choice of vocabulary, isn't it? Uh, now, so the question is, what does the word helper mean? And here's the answer. Helper literally means helper. Someone who helps someone do work. That's the definition. So, which means that what God had in mind when he created Eve for Adam was that he said, wow, this guy needs help in doing my work. Therefore, I'm going to create a helper so that they as two can do my work together. Do you guys understand that? That's so easy to understand, isn't it? So, but I, wanna, I want you to take a deeper look at this word helper. The Hebrew word for helper is pronounced ezer, not that that matters, but ezer is used 24 times in the Old Testament. Twice it's used to describe Eve, but 16 out of 24, two thirds of the times, you know who it's, you know who that word is used to describe ezer? God. You know, a lot of people, a lot of women get offended when we say, oh, 
Eve, Eve was created to be a helper. But the, most of the time, that word is used to describe God. And when we look into all the word studies, uh, basically, when it's when it describes God as a helper, it it, it has uh, its military language. He's like a soldier or a savior, someone who is strong and someone who is called to defend and protect. So that's very serious military language there. So the question is, why would God use that kind of language of Eve, right? And it's very, hopefully very obvious. It's because God designed women to be the muscle in the relationship, right? No, it's not true. Um, but what it's saying is very simple. It's saying that, well, if God created Eve to be the strength in the relationship, to be strong, it means that Adam needed strength to do God's work. He might have been perfectly satisfied in Christ alone or in God alone, but he may have needed help in areas of actually doing the work of God. He needed strength. He needed someone to watch his back. He needed a defender. He needed a protector. He needed someone that would help him accomplish the work of God with an army-like efficiency and beauty. Men need that kind of help. Am I right, wives? Right? We do. My wife would be the first one to agree. Uh, we need strong biblical women like that. So God created Eve for Adam so that together they could be a strong team. Why? To do the work of God. So that together they could take care of the plants and the animals in the garden. And so that together, by doing this work, they could glorify God greater through their union than any one of them could have by themselves. Do you guys understand that? That's the picture. Okay, that's the clear picture. And total side note, and I don't know if this is valid, but do you guys in any of this explanation see love and romance? Right? Is that even hinted or mentioned at here? Do you guys uh, see a white knight riding in on a horse to save a princess? You know? Do you, do you see any of this stuff, any hint of like a life or, or a relationship that is centered upon the couple's happiness or satisfaction? Right? The answer is no. Is it possible? And can those things be involved? Of course. And I think they should be, right? But that's not the purpose of marriage. None of those things are the purpose of marriage. God created marriage so that his husband and wife could do God's work together. So how does that play out in marriages in 2022 today? Um, simple. You know, people, the couple, couples always come, whenever I share something like this, couples always come and ask me, well, what is God's purpose for us? How can we discover God's purpose for us in our marriage? What exactly has God called us to? And I always think that the answer to that is very, very clear. There's a reason why it was the last thing that Jesus Christ said before he went up to heaven. If we look at Matthew 28, 28, 19, which we won't look at, you know, he basically gives us the great Commission, which is what? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. What that's saying, that's, that's a calling to every Christian in the world, single, dating, or married. Our role and our job, the way we glorify God, the way we love him and love others is by making disciples in this world for his glory. That's it. To me, it's that simple, right? Everyone's life is about making disciples. So if we dwindle it all down, we were created and saved by Jesus so that if we have life here, we can give him greater glory by making disciples. And the way we do that is by loving God with all that we have so that we can love others and 
help them grow in Christ. Right? Do you guys, do you guys understand that? That's our mission. So if we combine Genesis 2 and Matthew 28 together, then I would say to every married couple in this room, my question to you is, and hopefully this is something you can answer, to whom has God called you to make disciples today? It's, it's very simple. Like you as a husband and wife should be able to talk and clarify to yourselves who God has called you to, to make disciples disciples, right? It basically, it's a question which calls us to clarify our mission field. It clarifies the exact people that we believe God is calling us to reach. It could be your husband's workmates. It could be your wife's workmates. It could be your neighbors. It could be, you know, the places where you hang out on Saturday. It doesn't matter. It could be the people at church or your family. What matters most is that you guys as a couple, as husband and wife, have dedicated yourself, have clarified and dedicated yourself to living out the mission, God's work that you believe God has called you guys to, so that your marriage can be carried out in almost an army-like efficiency and beauty to accomplish this mission strongly together. Do you guys get that? Did I just talk too fast? And so to help you do that, uh, this is what I suggest to all my couples, whether when they go through premarital counseling or postmarital counseling, it makes no difference. I always challenge them to come up with a very, very clear mission statement of why God brought them together and to whom they are called to reach, right? My wife and I, our mission statement is, is very clear. It's very simple. God brought Karen and Eddie together to disciple the people at Full Life Ministry. That's it. And this is what we do. You know, once we clarify our mission statement, then we channel all of our prayers, we channel our bank account, we channel our calendar, and we channel everything that we can, even our, our family and our possessions, so that we can accomplish the mission. That's it. And anything that doesn't accomplish the mission, no matter how good or godly it is, we try to say no. Because we just want to be faithful to the mission. Do you guys understand? You know, we're going to cover it. I forget it. <laughs> no tangents, Eddie Bang. Okay. You know, and that's what we need to do. So that's, what, you know, it, I'll be very, you know, we pray for you guys every single night because that's our mission. We talk about our finances, not in terms of like, oh, how do we need to save this? Da, da, but we talk about how can we save more money here to funnel it towards FLM more. That's, those are our financial conversations. You know, uh, we talk about like, how can we use our possessions to help people, you know, and all that kind of stuff, because that's what we wanted to do. And so, you know, and the reason why is number one, because we do love you guys and we're trying to love all of you. But number two, it's because if we were to die today, we just want to be found faithful to our mission. And that's it. It's that simple and clear to us. And so that's what we try. Are we good at it? We're trying to get better. You know, and that's what we try to do. And so, you know, if I'm very frank with you, we don't talk about our mission statement all the time. And I asked my wife this morning in preparation for today's message, you know, hey, what about it? We revisited, I think it's been at least like a year since we you know, talked about it. But we actually talk about the mission every day. We talk about what we want to try to do with you guys, for you guys, every single day. And that's what we're all about. You know, I know some of you might be thinking, oh, wait, hold on, Eddie, if that's what you guys do, and if you're so, so focused upon the mission, doesn't that kind of put a damper upon you guys as a couple? I mean, when do you guys get your time? And that's a very fair question. Uh, but this is how I'll answer it. In the first three years of our marriage, we just lived like a good Christian couple, going to church, being good, 
Okay, we didn't do this mission stuff. And you know, and we, if I can say it very simply, we survived, right? We, we made it, you know, it was okay. But it wasn't until basically our fourth year of marriage that we realized, hey, about this whole mission thing and the whole purpose of God for our marriage thing. And I'll be very honest with you, uh, the moment that we clarified our mission as a couple, all of a sudden we experienced a union in our relationship that we never had. We very radically and very powerfully started to experience God and started to see God use us in ways that we had never done in, in the first three years of our marriage. And so what did that do to our relationship? It actually brought us a lot closer than ever it before. It changed us not to be just who we needed to be for each other, but it called us to be not just the spouse that we need to be, but the servants, the team, the partnership that we need to be to accomplish his glory greater, to make him greater through us right? Because we had never talked about that. We had never really dreamed about that. And so um, we, be, we not only became better friends, but we became true partners as a result. And I believe that's where many Christian couples fail. They fail to experience God using them powerfully in that way, in that unified way, right? And so what's beautiful is that when both of you, when the husband and the wife both agree and are both on the same page and are moving and channeling their heart, their prayers, their money, and their whole lives and their possessions in the same direction to accomplish the mission, then all of a sudden, everything about that marriage becomes focused upon him. And that's what makes those marriages amazing. And that creates an intimacy within that marriage, not only between the two, but between each one of them and God that you can experience as a non-Christian. And you won't experience as just a plain old quote-unquote Christian who married another Christian, but is not living according to the mission of God. Do you guys get that? Okay. So, Because that's what God designed marriage to be. God designed woman for man so that as one team, they can do God's work and live out his mission together. Are we cool? Married couples, let me give you some practicals. This is the, let me give you some practical things that you can do. If you're married, can you talk about this tonight? Can you talk about this in the, in the next week, this week? You know, talk about who do you feel like God has called you to reach, who God has called you to disciple. And it could be anyone, anything. It makes no difference. Um, and then keep on discussing until you both agree, until it's really narrowed down. And if I can give you some three tips, let me give you three tips on how to do this. When you, when you make a mission statement for yourselves, please don't make a mission statement for like the next three years or five years. It's not a three-year plan or a five-year plan. When we make a mission statement, a lot of times it's only for like six months you know, or one year. That way you can be absolutely focused, right? A lot of times if it's a three-year thing, we don't even focus upon it every single day. But if it's a six-month thing, then you have to, there's something you want to accomplish in the next six months. And I think that's really helpful. Number two, don't make it some generic statement that any Christian can do. God is calling us to love the people that come our way. You know, that's a terrible mission statement. God's calling us to people that, that God puts around us. So that's terrible. You know, make sure you're very, very specific. And so the third thing I would say is uh, try to name the people. Try to name the exact place and the people that you want to reach. You know, Karen and I exist, are married to disciple our Tuesday night Oz tag teammates. See, it's very clear. There's no one else involved in that definition. And if you can say something like that, then you're absolutely focused. Your prayers can be focused. Your finances can be focused. Your possessions can be focused. And the mission can be very clear for both of you to reach. And then once you do that, that's when you can start channeling everything. So the reason why this, my spouse and I are married is to disciple these specific people. Do you guys get that? 
clear. And I believe that when couples start to move like that together, God's going to use them to accomplish eternal things, right? And that's when God is going to start telling his story through your marriage, right? Now, just uh, on the other side of the coin, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great Christian couples that don't have a mission statement, but they live it out well, and that's awesome. But I do believe that if they actually clarified a mission statement, that they could do it better. That's it, okay? That's, that's it, you know? But the sad reality is Christian couples don't even think about mission. They just think, oh, I love you, you love me, you're Christian, I'm Christian, so let's get married. I'm sure somehow, some way, Jesus will make it work. But it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? And not only that, but just because you survive doesn't mean that you are faithful to what God's design was and why God brought you guys together. I just want all of you guys to have that kind of a marriage, okay? Um, if you have any questions... Oh, and then on the other hand, there are couples that actually have a very clear statement, but they never live it out. So what's the point? The goal is never to have a, a clear mission statement. The goal is to live out active discipleship and mission in your marriage. Cool? All right. Uh, if any of you married couples have need help, please come talk to me or my wife. We'll help you. Okay. Um, but Eddie, I'm not married. I'm single. What does that mean for me? And so let me, hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight as to who you need to be. You kind of, if I can give you a model, you need to be like Adam, someone who is just so satisfied in Christ that you're just happy to do his work every single day. That's the goal if you're a single person. You know what I'm saying? Are you, so the question, maybe a, a more specific question is, are you, where are you living out the Great Commission? If you were to write a mission statement for yourself, like who are you discipling? All right. Who do you feel called to reach, called to disciple, called to grow in Christ? Are you channeling your prayers, your money, your time, your schedule, your possessions so that you can disciple those people, reach those people, build those people in Christ? Those single people tend to make the greatest spouses, Christian godly spouses later in life. Is that cool? Is it that simple? Uh, another thing um, that I'd like to share, you know, kind of advice I want to give you is, um, please learn to live that out and learn how amazing it is to actually live your single life according to God's design, which is the Great Commission for you, right? Holiness Great Commission. Because as you do, what it does is you'll realize this is so amazingly awesome, just like Christ is so amazingly awesome, that I want to find now someone who lives like that too, so that when we join forces, you know, we'll be able to make God so great together as a couple, you know, and that's what you want to do. So if you want, if you want to be that type of Christian, start living like it. And if you want that type of marriage that I described to be the marriage, then live like it yourself and then start, and that'll help you actually look for others who might be living in the exact same way. Okay. Now I'm going to go a little negative here. You know, maybe you don't want that for yourself. I get it. Sometimes there's Christians who just want to go to church and I just want to be, I just want to go to church and okay, that's fine. You know, live however you want to live, try the best that you can. I get it. But then can I ask you a favor? If you do recognize that there's someone of the opposite gender that's living the way that we're, we're describing here, please don't take them. Okay. <laughs> please don't take the good ones off the shelf. I've seen, and the reason why I say it that way, I just want to be black and white. I've seen too many great potential Christians who are amazing as single people living for God absolutely die because they married someone that they were simply just attracted to who weren't living for God and therefore their marriage doesn't live for God. And I don't even know where they are now sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Don't take one of the good ones off the shelf. Okay. Is that too mean? Is that too bad? I, you know, I'm, I'm old. 
I just, I just figured, I, let me just say, say it very black and white. You know, I, I want to see, I, I just want to see, so if, if you're part of that category where you kind of don't care, I hope, I pray for you every day that you'll care and that you live for the Great Commission, that you want to live for God and experience him so amazingly that that's the kind of partner that you eventually want to marry. So that's what I want, you know, and if you're sitting in these seats, I'll help you get there. Because uh, I just want marriages that operate according to God's design. I want marriages that glorify God. I want to see couples in my church who just get excited about living out God's mission and tell me testimonies and stories of things that God's doing through them. That's what Christianity is, you know? And that's what Christian marriages should look like. I think the toughest part, the toughest thing that we come up against is Hollywood, you know? The things that we see in our TVs or our Korean dramas. You know, and so because of those things, we're convinced that we hold up, hold up, hold up. I always thought the marriage was about love, and yeah, of course it is. But a lot of times, when we say marriage is about love, what we really, what we're really saying is, hey, what I really want in marriage is someone to love me. And I get that, of course, we all want that, um, and that's absolutely beautiful. But the thing is, um, it cannot be at the cost of God's glory. Do you know what I'm saying? None of us were created for ourselves. Right? We were created to give God glory. We were saved by Christ. God sent his son to die upon the cross so that we could live the life that we were designed and created for, and that was to give him glory. What does that mean? That means not only are our lives, uh, the whole purpose of our lives is God's glory, but that means all of our relationships are for God's glory. Our marriages are for God's glory. Families are for God's glory. It's not for my pleasure. It's not for my happiness. It's not for my satisfaction. And the moment that I make those things uh, with me as the center, then that's where we start to jack everything up. You know what I'm saying? And that's why Jesus had to die in the first place. God created marriages so that his glory could increase through a partnership. And hopefully that's what you look at and that's what you think of when you think about your future marriage as single people. And hopefully that's what you're preparing for now. You guys get that? Is that cool? Was that too harsh? You know, that's truth, okay? But with that in mind, you know, I know people hate it, especially, you know, people hate it when I say, oh, God did not create marriage for our happiness. God did not create marriage for our satisfaction. Absolutely true though, however, when a couple is truly living to make God greater, that's when they as a couple experience eternal joy and eternal satisfaction in such a way that they never could have if they never chose to live for Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the joy and satisfaction you were created to experience. And you can, because that's what God designed in biblical marriage. And to give you the best chance of doing that tomorrow in your marriage, make sure you as singles choose to live like that today. The last thing I want to address is people who might be dating right now. If you're dating right now, can I just encourage you to have the conversation? And the way I would encourage you to have the conversation is kind of like this. Um, ask about like their direction. You know, if you've never asked about your partner's direction, what is your part? Is your partner living? Maybe. Okay, let's rewind. If you're dating, ask yourself, hey man, am I, oh no, you ask yourself. So, hey man or woman, am I living for Jesus? Am I living for the Great Commission? Do I really want to? And if you do, then ask, are you really living for it? And then make changes in your life that, so that you could live out his mission. Go and disciple people, you know, so you can live out God's mission. If you're actually dating someone while you're doing that, you know, my hope is that your partner, 
you know, the person that you're dating would help you do that. And if you really enjoy your partner and love your partner, help your partner do that. However, don't help your partner do that so that your paths can align. Don't talk like a married couple saying, I think this is where God's calling me to. I think this is where God's calling me to. Let's try to bring this together. No, that's what married couples do. That's not what dating couples do. But if you truly love each other and all of a sudden the directions of where you want to go with your lives and maybe the people that you want to disciple are totally diverting, then if you really love that person, empower them to fulfill their mission. You know what I'm saying? And if it gets to the point where you realize, I think that person can fulfill their mission better if they weren't connected to me, then have the courage to break up. You know, but if it kind of starts converging naturally and biblically, then maybe that's an indication that maybe you guys should be together. I don't know. But I really believe that direction is very, very important. When I talked, when I started dating my wife, that's the first thing I asked her. Before I ever shared about my dreams and my direction where I feel like God's you know, leading me, I asked her, where do you feel like God's leading you? What do you feel like is the ministry God's calling you to? And I really want to hear her answer. And number one, because uh, for two reasons, number one, I wanted to see if we were going in the same direction. And if we weren't, then we, there wasn't going to be a, a date number two, no matter how attractive uh, attracted I was to her. You know, I didn't want to go in a different direction, but because that was actually awesome. And, but number, the second reason is I didn't want, if they weren't going in the right direction, I didn't want a day to come like five years down the line, seven years down the line in marriage where this woman regretted marrying me because I took away the direction that God was leading her. I didn't want that. No matter how attractive I was, no matter how much I wanted to be with her. But praise God, things aligned. <laughs> you know, so we're here now. Um, so if you're dating, can I just ask you to be c- courageous and have the conversation and just really kind of see and give yourselves time to figure it out yourselves. Help each other, you know, really live out great commission lives and then really uh, see if this is where God might be leading you guys, whether it's together or the other way. Is that cool? Is that fair? Okay. Um, God created marriage so that we could give more glory to Christ together than we ever could have alone. And the only way we do that as a married couple is by doing the work of God together, by living out his mission together. Know your mission, clarify your mission, live out your mission. If you want to read more about this, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim and Kathy Keller, You and Me Forever, Francis and Lisa Chan. Read those books. I totally recommend them like crazy. There's a lot of bad marriage books out there in Kurong. Don't buy those. Okay? Uh, But let's pray. My heart as your pastor is I want to see all of you live out biblical marriages. I want to see you guys find a joy and a satisfaction in your marriage that can only come from a couple whose heart is focused upon God. And that's why God designed marriage. God designed couples to experience him and to know him and to be used by him. And it's absolutely amazing. Is it easy? No, it's absolutely really hard. But God designed you for it. And I don't want you to hijack that simply by looking for love or simply by settling on attraction. God created you for much more than that. He created you for his glory, for his eternal purposes. He created your marriage and your future marriage for his eternal glory. Let's not hijack any of those. 
So can I just invite you, if you're married here, to, maybe, to start asking God, God, give us wisdom, give us clarity so that we as a married couple can really live for you. If you're single, ask God, you know, God, clarify me too. Clarify the mission for me. I want to live out the Great Commission faithfully and know you and experience you in my life more deeply. And if you're dating, ask God to clarify, same, clarify the mission for you guys and help each other live it out and to have the courage to make him greater through your relationship. Let's pray. so much that in scripture we find your heart and father it's not that we just find your heart but we see that through all these stories and all these commands that you have a design for us that you we were created for a purpose and a reason and that's your glory father I pray that there's no Christian in this room or no person in this room or watching who just wants to live a humdrum Christian life and just go to church but God, I pray that you move in the hearts of all of our people, that they'd want to be faithful to you and experience you in increasingly deeper ways every single day as they live out your purpose for their lives. Clarify the mission, whether they're single, dating, or married, so that they might truly make you greater and know how amazing that is every single day of their lives. Lord, may you become greater in their hearts, in their vision, in their dreams, in their purpose. And Father, help them to funnel all things to make you greater. And Lord, through that, bring about a clarity and a conviction and a direction that will increase your glory through their lives and through their partnerships. God, we want to see those types of marriages in our church. We want to see those types of relationships happen within our church. So God, we ask that you would do that here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.